pray. Lord, thank you for today. I just pray that uh, it seems like there's been a lot of distractions this morning. Just a lot of things that are um, could go wrong, have gone wrong, and so I just leave this time in your hands. I just pray that all of us here, that we um, just have open hearts, open ears, and open minds, Lord, to just hear what, the, what you have for us today. In your name we pray. Amen. You can all be seated. So this morning I just want to start with one verse. One verse out of Acts. Acts 2.44. It's on the screen. It says, All believers were together and had everything in common. Think about that for a little bit. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Can you imagine what that would look like? Being together on everything, that we have something in common, we have everything in common. Or, or maybe this guy named Luke, maybe he was just crazy. Maybe he was crazy writing the words like this, that have everything in common and be together. And, or maybe he was just wishing, and he was hoping, and he was imagining that this early church was living like this, that we're being together and had everything in common. But I, I think they actually were in common and they had everything together. And then what would our world like if, look like if we were together? Do we have everything in common? You just read headlines around and you can see that it doesn't seem that we ha- we're all together and we have everything in common. There's lots of things going on in the world right now that, are, that are, don't appear to be that. One example that we're in the midst of right now is the COVID-19 situation. That's something that we're all trying to learn how to deal with this. We're all trying to process this. And we have many, many different thoughts on this. Many, many different ideas and ways we should deal with this and ways we should figure this out. In fact, I have a saying that I've started saying. I would go up to people and say, do you COVID? And they look at me kind of funny and, and are kind of like, what are you talking about? I know that you... The answer is yes, which means that I have to stay away. I got to back up, maybe offer him some hand sanitizer and, and maybe put a face mask on and stay away. But then if people say no, they'll, I know, well, maybe the last thing you do is you want to shake someone's hand, but maybe you could shake their hand. So there's lots of different ideas, lots of different thoughts. And you know I like to go places and watch people. So you go to the grocery stores and you watch people and... There's, they come in there and the, someone will just come in there and they don't care. They're touching everything and, and just grabbing everything, looking at it, putting it on the shelf. But then the next person will come in and they practically have a fire hose, a hand sanitizer, and they're spraying the whole cart and they wipe it all down. And then, then they, that's not enough, so they got to take the hand wipes. So they pull all the hand wipes out and they're wiping it all down and they're bathing themselves. And then I come in and all I want to do is, is just wipe the cart myself just the handle part and I look and I go there's none left but it's all take care of themselves take care of number one that doesn't seem like we're like we're together doesn't seem like we're together on that and then remember when the start of the pandemic start of this whole thing who could find toilet paper who could find hand sanitizer who could find anything that even said antibacterial on it? I think we probably should have got some bottles and just wrote antibacterial on it. We probably could have been millionaires. But again, the only thing we had in common then, I think, is our selfishness. Yep, 
the selfishness to take care of ourselves. Maybe not all of us. I know nobody in this room was like that. But we still, it, it showed that we were, we were taking care of ourselves. We didn't have anything in common. That we didn't give to each other. So maybe the question should be, what should we to be together on? What should we have in common? Where is there something that we can find common ground on? Now, Luke, when he starts this off, this verse off, he says, he's talking about believers. He says all the believers. Now, this word believers, it means to put your faith in something, to trust someone or something. So this is a, the early church. This is a group of people that have put their faith in Jesus. They're the ones that believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They're the ones that believe that Jesus rose from the dead. They're the ones that believe that Jesus paid the price for our sins once and for all. And that by believing in Jesus that we had eternal life with God. So this is the group of people. Romans 5.21 says, So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, there's something else with this word believe. There's an implication with the word believe. It implies that when we trust, when they, they trusted Jesus, when they put their faith in Jesus, that there's going to be some actions that follow, some actions that may follow. They, I say may follow because there's no guarantee that the person will actually change, and there's some other issues. We, don't, we won't get into those today, but... but these actions are what will bring us together. These actions are what bring us to have everything in common. If we believe, then why don't actions always follow? And maybe some of those, it's, it's different for all of us. Some of us are, maybe those actions come sooner rather than later. Maybe some of them come at a slower pace. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. So we're a new creation. The old way is gone. Those old things are gone. The way we used to do things are gone. This implies that, that when we know Jesus, that we, we have these new things, way of doing things. That our actions will be different once we believe in Jesus. Now, let me give you an example of how we don't always maybe have everything in common, but we have one thing in common. Now, my wife and I are believers. I probably wouldn't be up here if I wasn't a believer, if I didn't put my faith in Jesus. But I can tell you an example where we don't have everything in common. Now, I don't know what the, when this new trend started. I think it was a few years ago. But if you've noticed that all the cabinets now are painted in your house, if anybody's had that or if any husbands have had their wives come home and say, hey, I want to paint my cabinets, where they're all used to be just wood, you know, that's stained wood. And tell me if I'm wrong, Tomas, once you paint something, you're not getting paint off, right? Yeah, you're not doing that. So I'm going at logic, because I'm logical. I go, well, okay, this is just a fad. So in two years, this is all going to change, and you women are going to all get together and say, oh, I don't like that anymore. I want a natural color now. Well, at that point, you've got to replace all the cabinets. So again, logic steps in. Logic. Well, you just don't paint the cabinets because then it'll swing back around and you'll, you'll still have your cabinets. You want to buy new cabinets. Well, my cabinets are now painted. 
So you can see. But my point is, is that we didn't have that painted cabinets in common. But maybe being together and having everything in common isn't being on the same page about everything. Maybe it's not, you don't have to agree on every little item in your life. Maybe it's about being together in our faith. It's about being together in our trust in Jesus. Maybe it's about having everything in common because we're together in our faith in God. That what makes everything in common, that God is what holds it all together. That that's what it means by having everything in common and being together. But how do we get there? How do we get to the place where we have everything in common? I think one way we can get there is through relationships. Through relationships with people in our lives. And it's kind of hard to have, go through life without having some sort of relationship. Even driving a car, you still have to drive a car and navigate your car with other people and other cars. There's, there's some little relationship there. Think about family, friends, coworkers. If you're at a restaurant, there's a waiter or a waitress. People in stores, at some level, you have to communicate with them. You have to relationship with them. Now, there's a book, Dr. Henry Cloud. Many of you may recognize that name. There's a book that he wrote. It's called The Power of the Other. And in this book, he, he lists four different types of relationships. And the first type of relationship he talks about is one that has, there's no connection. This is a type of relationship where maybe even in a place like this, where there's lots of people around, large settings where there's yours, maybe hundreds of people, thousands of people. You're in this, in this setting, but you're all alone. No one that you can be open with. You're no one that you think understands you. No one that you can be real with, real with. And I think these relationships, it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. When you're in a setting like that, you're just, it, it, even if you're the most extroverted person, you can still feel alone. You can still feel like you're crummy. It just it leaves you feeling crummy. There's no one knows your true feelings. You can't talk to anybody about your true feelings. That you're not together. That you don't have anything in common with anyone. That no one even cares or would even want to care about what you think or how you feel or about you. That... Like I said, even in the middle of a crowd, you're isolated. Now, Kim, is getting, Kim didn't like me because she read this sermon, and I use her for lots of illustrations, so she's mad at me this week. But um, this type of relationship, I'm really good at it. I'm really good at this kind of relationship of just being, being isolated, being in a crowd and not talking to anybody. Kim, on the other hand, she's not good at that at all. She's bad at that, this kind of relationship. In fact, she's awful at it. She's not good at all. We'll go, to a, we'll go to an event. Say there's 500 people there. We go there, and as soon as we go to the event, boom, she's gone. And I'm sitting there, standing there by myself. And she, she's having a great time. She's talking to people. She's laughing. She's, she's just filling her heart with joy. And I end up at a table. I'm sitting there. And it's funny how we attract each other, too. Because all the other people that are good at this kind of relationship end up sitting at the same table. We could go for three hours and not say a word to anybody. And if we do, we're just talking about what's your work, the weather's nice or the weather's bad, do you have any kids? Nothing with any substance, nothing that gives us life, nothing that makes us learn about that other person. So then the event's over, we're in the car, Kim's all happy, and I'm just sitting there going, 
man, that sucked. She's like, what do you mean? That was a waste of my time. I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't know anybody. So like I said, she's really good at that. She's really good at, at, at other relationships, not this one. She's not really good, but I feel kind of crummy. I just didn't make any connection with anybody. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Well, I think we were probably good character people, but we were, we were bad company to each other. All of us sitting at the table. Now there's another relationship. This is relationships where we feel like we are bad. Feel like we're bad in these type of relationships. I'm going to read a quote out of the book. His words are better than mine on this. It says, This type of relationship is not necessarily a connection with a bad or abusive person, although it may be. Instead, it is a connection, preoccupation, or pull toward a person who has the effect of making you feel bad or not good enough. In some way, inferior, defective perhaps, as though something is wrong with you. Somehow this person or persons have come to have the power in your life of making you feel bad. Some of us might be in this kind of relationship right now. Maybe we grew up in a home with this kind of relationship. Or maybe we had this relationship in the past. A person that's constantly making you feel like you're never good enough. No matter what I do, it's never good enough. Sometimes if we did have this relationship in the past, we have this, what I'll call a judge in our head. We have this voice in our head that's always judging us, that regardless of what happens, they're just saying, you're never good enough. That when something bad happens in our life, instead of us looking at it as a positive or what we can do with that, we look at it as, as that judge going, see, that's proof that you're bad. That's proof that you're not good enough, that you'll never matter. Now, word to the wise, too, that my office is right by the street out there, so if you sit on the bench, I can hear what you guys say. Um, So just be careful of that, or not. But one day I'm sitting there in my office, and this person sits down on the bench out there, and I hear him talking, and it, I, I just, something picked up, I picked up on something, I started listening to the words. And this person started talking about when they were little, like reliving their lives. And he talked about how everybody told him, you never amount to anything. You're just a dirty little boy. You're, you're nothing. You won't amount to anything. Just all this constant bad, bad, bad. Well, he's still stuck in this relationship. He's still trapped in that. He's still trapped in that this judge going off in his head, telling him how bad he is, that he's just stuck there. Proverbs 17.22 tells us, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. This kid's life is dried up. It's like dried up bones now because of what he was constantly told. Now, what about if he would have at some point had a relationship with someone that wouldn't have told him he's bad all the time? What if he would have had a relationship where he, where he, he, he met Jesus? Where he, he, he found Jesus and he, and he had this relationship with him. And then he met other people around him and they found out that he wasn't bad. That he wasn't a failure. 
I wonder what his life would have been like, how it would have turned out differently. And it still could change. It still could change. There's still hope. Now, the third type of relationship is our pseudo-relationship. And this is a relationship where we seek out people or we seek out things in our lives. We fill our lives with things that just create this temporary and they're superficial and they create these feelings of happiness. That maybe we surround ourselves. There's a term called yes men. I think most of you know that. We just surround ourselves with people that just tell us, yes, you're so great. You're so wonderful. They flatter us and they're, they're just not real with us. They're never honest to us. They never tell us when we need to have correction or something else. There's also other things, these type of relationships, maybe we fill ourselves with alcohol or drugs or sex or pornography or something else that just brings us temporary joy, but it always fades away. Another example is, and we've learned this in COVID, is retail therapy. We buy things. Where we say, you know, if I just had one more thing, God, I would, I, I would just be happy. You know, I'll be sitting in our house, we'll, 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 we'll watch a commercial or something, and we'll, or on TV, and we'll see this Ferrari. And we go, you know, God, man, if I had this Ferrari, I'd be set. I'd be so happy if I just had this Ferrari. You know, zero to 60 in like three seconds, and just, oh, life would be so good. So then for some crazy reason, you get a Ferrari, you know what happens? There's a new one that comes out next year. And it's faster. And it's cooler. And it looks better. And all that joy and all that thing we, stuff we had, it's gone. We don't have it. It's temporary. You know, we don't have that joy anymore. Proverbs 10, 23 through 25 tells us, Doing wrong is fun for a fool, but living wisely brings pleasure to the sensible. The fears of the wicked will be fulfilled. The hopes of the godly will be granted. When the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. Like I said, when these type of relationships, whatever we try to fill our life with, if it's not God, it fades away. And that we're left searching. And that when storms come in our lives, when those things that we need, when we really probably need our friends the most, these, these type of friends, they're gone. They're nowhere to be seen. They were left alone. And we're probably cycled back to the no connection relationship. And we're left searching for maybe this last type of relationship. This last type of relationship is one with real connection. Dr. Cloud describes these relationships as one which you can be your whole self, the real, authentic you, Relationship to which you can bring your heart, mind, soul, and passion. Both parties to the relationship are wholly present, known, understood, and mutually invested. What each truly thinks, feels, believes, fears, and needs can be shared safely. So this type of relationship has truth. It has grace. Someone is, we know that someone is there for us. We know someone that even in difficult times, they're rooting for us. And they can be honest with us. They can be honest, and when they're honest, and we, maybe we need correction, or we need just some guidance that we don't feel left, we're not left feeling like we're a failure. That we can handle whatever it is that they're face, we're facing. 
we can handle those failures. We can handle correction. We can handle discipline. We even at times, we can handle success. Sometimes we can spin out of control even with success. Proverbs 12, 18 tells us, Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Proverbs 27, 9. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. I think this is the relationship that Luke is talking about in verse 44. That all the believers were together and had everything in common. This is the kind of relationship that fuels us. Fuels each other. That this type of relationship pushes us to growth. That we grow in this kind of relationship. It's the kind of relationship that challenges us but yet we don't feel bad. We don't feel like a failure. It's a relationship where we can be vulnerable, where we can be real. It's a relationship where we can be the real me that God created me to be. That there's no judgment, no fear, no false joy from this relationship with this person. So a lot of us in the room right now or even listening online, we have this kind of relationship with Jesus. We have this real connection relationship with him. And if some of you don't, that's okay. What I encourage you to do is to just explore that, to explore it a little bit. Get a Bible. Start reading your Bible. You start reading in the New Testament. Start there. Just learn about this guy named Jesus. See what what the, the words in the Bible have to say about him. See what it does in your heart. Maybe keep coming to church. Keep listening online. Just learn more about him. Early on in my walk, when I first started to be a believer, there's a verse in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, that I, I wanted to share with you. That was, that was important to me, or helped me in, in, in that relationship. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That was a relationship with real connection. It's a relationship I was looking for. It's a relationship, these verses, where it doesn't weigh me down. It wasn't a burden anymore. It's one that I could be honest, that I could talk about anything. It was refreshing. It was one that was real. Now, I think as I described these three these four relationships, we can find ourselves sometimes trapped in a loop that we go from no connection to where we're feeling bad to then we surround ourselves with people just to make us feel good, pseudo-relationships. And then, like I said, they leave and we find ourselves back to no connection that we want to learn how to s- try to stay in those, r- those real relationships, those real connection relationships. So then the magic word is how. How do we do that? How do we stay there? Hebrews 10, 14, it says, For by that one offering he forever made perfect those who were being made holy. So Jesus' death on the cross, this sacrifice that he made for our sins, made us perfect. That, that we do, we're not a failure anymore. That we can rest assured that sin we're forgiven we don't have to live in that anymore but also that god is he's trying to show us that we are perfect in that way but 
we're still a work in progress. At least I know that I'm still a piece of work. And ask my wife, she'll tell you. I'm, I'm a piece of work. But I want us to see that when failure comes, that it doesn't mean we're bad, that we're not good enough. We are good enough. We are good enough. That when we're challenged, that when we feel bad, when things happen, that we use that to produce growth. That we're able to do those uncomfortable things, to take some risks, and that we come out better. That at the end, the growth occurs. Now, I want to give you an example of how this fourth type relationship works, this one with real connection. As you guys know, of course, it's going to be a basketball story. But I'm friends with um, a lot of high school kids. One particular team I became friends with this year, got a lot closer to them. Now, two years ago, this team, it's really the same team, same players, same group of boys. A lot of talent, a lot of abilities, a lot of chances to do things. They didn't, their season didn't do very well. That, that if they were in those first three types of relationships. They didn't have any connection. They weren't just pseudo relationships or being told that they're bad. There was on, the off, on and off court relationships were just chaos. There was one of the kids, he had a, his, his girlfriend had a, had a child. So he's trying to navigate that. You've got lots of relationships that are just broken at home with other family members. You have deaths of sisters and brothers. You have girlfriends that go missing. You have nowhere to live. You're being told that you're a failure because you guys didn't live up to expectation. That all these basketball players of the past are so much better than you. And you guys will never amount to anything because you're not good enough. That you're bad. That maybe sometimes they, they just kind of lost hope that they're, they're just stuck. They're stuck in those three relationships depending on what, what situation they were in at that moment. But then there's something that happens. There's this new coach that gets hired. This new coach starts bringing in, well, he really does start bringing in Jesus. He starts talking about Jesus. He starts talking about God. He starts bringing them together. He starts to give them some common ground. He, they start to build relationships with connections. They start to be real with each other. They find that it's safe to come and talk about things. In fact, one time they were all together and talking, and as they were talking, somebody was telling a story, and they said, you mean you do that? You have that struggle too? Or your family's like that too? And so they realized that they have more in common they start to realize that they're not alone. That rather than just kind of isolating themselves in their own little life, that they, they come together and have everything in common. They see that some of the circumstances might be different, but they're all together. They all can be in common with each other and not more than just basketball. They trust each other. They speak truth. They give grace to each other. In fact, they even start to tell one another that they love one another. They've even told me that they love me. So this is a group of high school kids. High school kids don't tell anybody that they love them. But here they're telling each other. 
One time, the, the one with the child that was sick, his, 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 or child was sick, and so they stopped practice. He had to leave, and they prayed for the child. One time, someone didn't have a place to live, so the player says, hey, come, you can stay at my house. Come, you're all welcome. Come stay at my house. They bought Christmas presents for the community, and instead of just spending the lot of them out there going, coach, coach, can we spend all of our money? So they spent all their money to bless people, other people. They found themselves being together. That when life even started to overwhelm them, that they had everything in common, that they were together. Well, I'm talking about my buddies in Lodgegrass, who I'm talking about, who won the state championship. They fulfilled some of their, their basketball goals. They found some success. But what I'm also seeing is that I can tell just by talking to them and spending time to them that they're, what they have in common is they're growing closer to Jesus, that it's Jesus that's, that's bringing them together. It's Jesus that they have in common. So I ask this question. This is a team, basketball players, but do you have a team that you belong to? Do you have a team? Now, we all belong to God's team. All of us that are believers belong to God's team. But do you have a group of people or a small group of friends that you can come together with and have this type of relationship with? The type that you can be vulnerable with? The type that you even maybe that you have to, can admit that you have a need? Uh, a relationship or a group of people that, that you show up for one another, whether it's good or whether it's bad times? Do you have a group of people that will speak truth to you? They'll speak truth, but they'll say it gracefully. They give you grace. Do you have a group where you're growing, where there's growth? Do you have a community where you're together and you have everything in common? And if you don't, well, that's okay. You know, I said I was really good at the first type of with no connection relationship. So I spent most of my life kind of going between those three. So it wasn't up until a few years ago that I started putting people in my life that we could have these relationships, that I knew, knew it was safe, that I had safe people around me. So let me leave you with a kind of a plan of action. What can we do? How can you start this? We're going to start some groups in the fall to help you maybe meet some people and to, to be in a group. We're going to be respectful of the COVID-19 situation, and we're going to just wait that for a little bit because we, we just want to be respectful of that. So in the fall, look for, look for some, some sign-up sheets for some groups we're going to start. We're also CR. We're going to make a change to CR to make it more oriented like this type of relationship. But until then, if maybe you're in a situation where you don't have a real connection with Jesus right now, that you, you, you need to first have that. So start there. So start there. And, and I just want to let you know that Jesus, he's the master of this type of relationship. He's always in that type of relationship. That he's never going to fail you. That he'll never let you down. And Jesus is what brings us together. Jesus is what we will have in common. Now some of us, we might, when I describe those first three relationships, we might look at those and go, that's really where I'm at right now. We might be kind of stuck in one of those relationships. So what I'm going to challenge you is do something new. 
Start something new. Maybe take a chance, take a risk. Find some people and come around them and just start spending life together and, and see, w- see what happens. See what happens when you're in this kind of relationship. You know, Stan has talked about the Devo page the last couple weeks. That's something to do. Grab that Devo page and just make it, form a group and, and, and just see, just start something. Maybe some of us are, are we have a group already, but we don't really feel connected, that we're not at that level. We're kind of like me sitting at the table talking about nothing. That, again, take a risk, take a chance. Start to develop these kind of relationships with these people where you can be real, where you can speak truth, where you can have grace. And then let's just live lives where we as believers that in Jesus we are together and that we have everything in common. Where we find common ground in Jesus. Let's pray.